This is not an expert podcast. Not an exciting inducing topic. I'm waiting. Those tree people from Princess Mononoke. Oh, the oh my goodness. They were, they were adorable. They Which were? one? The Kodomos. The little yeah, the chicken. <laughs> that was yeah. so cool. They didn't explore them anymore, right? They just showed them that showed that they were there. One showed up at the at the end to say that the show was growing back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I first watched it, I thought the um when they introduced the apes that were like pissed and wanted to eat the humans. When they introduced the apes, I was like, those are just evil Kodomos. They have like the fucking eyes and like they just like grew a little bit like because they're evil. And I was very wrong, but. So the Kodomos, I initially definitely thought were evil. Like, posing is good, but evil. But Mm -hmm. no, they're just a sign of a healthy forest. They're just chilling. You know, one of the things I found very interesting about that movie is that, like, it defeated a lot of expectations that you have of characters and, like, plots in traditional movies. Like, the people were all... They had some good qualities, but... They also had terrible qualities that's too. That's Studio to go along Ghibli, with it. though. Yeah, and that's that is definitely closer to real life than anything mm-hmm. else. And I don't know. I kept on thinking about that whenever we were watching the movie, like like the um, the princess, the Iron Princess, or not princess, the, the Iron Lady, the Lady, Iron Lady, Lady. Iron. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hashimoshi. I made that up. <laughs> Lady Moshi Moshi. Yeah. Like, you know, she ends up, like, she truly does care about her people, you know, and, but then she's also like this, you know, this evil maniac who's pretty much out to rule the world. And, um, I just you know, like how many forest. times in that question they, or in that movie, they ask uh, what side he's on. Yeah. They're like, whose side is yeah, he on? Because right? like, he's not on a side. He's, he's just like, trying to see people no cut it out. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the movie, um, it, it's amazing. And when I say it lacked, um, I'm not, I don't mean in a bad way it lacked. I think that it was very well um, cut. But I think it lacked some expose that if this were book form prior, probably had a lot of things like really well detailed and explained yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Like um, how... Uh, it was implied that the the curse on his arm and like the demons get stronger whenever fear and anger are involved mm-hmm. and so he tries to remain very stoic and very like not involved emotionally mm-hmm. and then when he does get emotional then the strength of the demon comes out and he chooses like that those times wisely and that's also when it spreads on him um, but I think it was it was amazing yeah so I, I think it's a really good movie and the fact movie. that it was talking about you know, the way that we treat Earth in mm-hmm. 1999. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is a very mm-hmm. good topic. That All I'm going to say, I've never seen a Kodomo in real life, so we're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Ain't no healthy Facts. force around us. Facts. Yeah. yeah. But that's, a, I think, one of my favorites. Uh, we'll have to watch more because there are more on HBO Max. But there's mm-hmm. not all of them. I thought they had all of Studio Ghibli. They definitely don't. They have all the big-name movies with the exception of Grave of the Fireflies for the, for the most part. They have mm-hmm. Totoro. They have Kiki's Delivery Service, Castle in the Sky, Howl's Moving Castle. But they Castle, don't have Mary and the, the Witch's Flower. That's true. That is a newer one, so I don't know if it has to do with it being newer or if it's just one that they couldn't license out for some reason. I don't know. Does Netflix still have it? <clears throat> That might be why, if Maybe. Netflix still mm-hmm. has it. 
I also wonder if they just have all of the Miyazaki movies of Studio Ghibli and like Grave of the Fireflies is Studio Ghibli but wasn't directed by Miyazaki so maybe they don't have the way that he talks about like the movies that he made though is really interesting he was talking about how like he doesn't necessarily create a super romantic story for his characters but that rather he has a boy and a girl enter each other's lives and set each other on a path that they wouldn't have otherwise been on that and that that's just, like yeah. mm-hmm. that that's like it's like isn't that like at the end of the day like what love is like you know going on a journey with somebody else that you wouldn't have otherwise been on had that person not been a part of your life like True. I just think that's really interesting where he doesn't draw these super like like your name or whatever where they're supposed to definitely be together mm-hmm. yeah. um, he instead just does a more I guess, pure version of love, which I think is really interesting because ever since I read him saying that, um, I've noticed that in the movies that he does where, like, yeah, they meet, you know, a girl meets a boy, and a lot of his movies have a female as the main character, but, like, a girl meets a boy, and they take off on a adventure that they otherwise would have not taken off on, most likely, you know, Mm -hmm. which is cool. Like, it's such like a, like you said, it's like it's a very much like a real, that's like what happens in actual life. And yeah, and I like hello how it's like juxtaposition to next to like these insane spiritual like, like, like yeah. beings and like mm-hmm. a fantasy world. I know it's funny to see like the boar god is always the funniest to me because he's kind of ugly. Uh, but gods aren't out there to be pretty. They're yeah. not out here to, like, fuck around. They are here to lead and get their shit done. Are you talking about Hakoda, or are you talking about the one that died at the start? Uh, both of them, I guess, are really pretty. Nago. Uh, Nago was the one from the start. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Yeah, I agree. Like, the, the realistic... Uh, or I should say the fictional landscaping juxtaposed against the realistic, like, emotions mm-hmm. is what makes it really special. I think I think that a, a lot of animated television shows try to do that, and mm. some succeed, many fail. I like how they gave him the eye crusties. Because he's yeah. blind. He can't wipe them away. He doesn't yeah. have thumbs. They yeah. do a really good job of n- not setting up a hero arc, and mm-hmm. I think that's what a lot of animated shows fail at and cause like a lot of issues with the realistic uh, characters is because you introduce this hero arc and now suddenly everybody's trying to be a hero. Like that's the mm. issue with Attack on Titan is that you have some real characters, but then yeah. you've got a lot of hero characters yeah. that kind of ruin like the the personal feel of uh, of the uh, character personas. Because I mean, ultimately, none of us are out here trying to be heroes. We're yeah, just right. trying to like. Fucking keep our heads down and Not like get killed. Yeah. yeah, like just I'm go about to make our it lives. To tomorrow. You know <laughs> exactly. Like none of us are really. And so to me, like that whole that whole hero arc has felt. I've always felt very detached from that because, like, yeah, it'd be great if one day somebody flew into my room and was like, "Hey, guess what? You gotta save the world." But mm-hmm. would that be great? I wouldn't deal with it. I'd be like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to go yeah. Yeah. elsewhere for and, a very long time. In more of those movies, he just has these different female leads with different personalities mm-hmm. entering in that same thing where there's like this this issue or this uh, 
you know, catastrophe or something like that. And then these regular people personalities have to address it the best way that they know how. Well, and I also do really like the different personalities thing because I think that, especially in anime, a lot of women can be painted yeah. as very one note in a very specific yeah. mm-hmm. niche area. It's because um, the people the people who write them are like males. Yeah, with like I know, but that sucks. Like, it does I suck. think that it's one, I mean, obviously, women in real life are all completely different yeah. from each other. They get other, misrepresented you know? so heavily. In and like, none of them are like the little schoolgirls yeah, or whatever that right. you normally see. Yeah. None of them, as widely different as we all are, none of them are that one note. I guess, I don't know, I guess I haven't met every woman, but still, I'm willing crazy. to bet you, yeah. like, um, none of them are that dumb. I mean, so not dumb. So, there, there's uh, <laughs> the show, the My Hero Academia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. I cannot understand how in the world they wrote the females in that show mm. and like the male characters actions towards those females how that first off got the production and got onto live screen yeah i cannot believe that people love that show so much with well, that's also- so much misogynistic mm-hmm. and just extremely perverted shit in there. And I'm like, That's what the That's part of the reason I haven't really gotten into anime. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, probably the most I've done as far as a show goes is watch, like, Avatar and Korra. Yeah. And that's, just like... triggered the entire anime. Wait, wait, wait. I know. And that's not even... That's not even, like, it, getting close to the anime genre. I've watched movies that are, mm-hmm. like, anime. So, I mean, like, Your Name... But even that, I can list those on, like, one hand. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. ultimately, as a girl, I don't see anything for me in those. Yeah. I don't see anything for me in those. Like, um, there's yeah. an anime on Netflix. It's called The Seven Deadly Sins. Mm-hmm. I watched a little bit of it. And, okay, the main character literally motorboats one of the girls constantly. He's, mm-hmm. He puts his head up her skirt constantly. And I'm like, okay... What? But also, why? Why? What? For no is reason. The point. I mean, for no I'm, reason. I'm not all. approved. Like, I'm really not. I watch Game of Thrones. Like, I'm not yeah, but approved. Exactly, right? But it just sometimes makes it, well, it just frequently makes it's so weird. no sense to me, especially in a cartoon where it's like, I mean, an anime, but a cartoon. It's like, why? Yeah, I don't know. I don't I, get it. But I also don't want to hate too strongly on it because I know that they're really story driven and there's a lot of Japanese. Um, Concepts that yeah. are in a I lot of anime shows. Too. Yeah. yeah. So y'all are, are hating really, on really something from a culture that no one here knows. That's yeah. Fair. I know, yeah, but it's still. But it's a different culture. And it's I'm a totally sorry, different I'm culture. not at all trying to hate <laughs> yeah. on it. If yeah. me saying there's nothing for me in like a lot of no, I just see like that. that was a lot of hate. <laughs> like show, then yeah, that can yeah. count that as me hating on it if that's what that means. I mean, I'm to just you. saying this is this 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 is animation coming from a culture that's been sexually oppressed there and like since Japan's sure. been in there. Sure, sure, sure. So that, that's why they do this. Like, I'm not I'm not trying to defend them. I'm just saying, but like, don't. No, I know they I'm do. I'm mainly just saying the reason I haven't been able to get into it because it does not strike me as something that I feel overly represented in. And everybody, I mean, if we've learned anything, representation matters. And that's why, really bringing it back around, I think Studio Ghibli has done a good job. Like, Mm. being able to point out and be like, those are girls that I know. Those are girls that I relate to. Those are personality types that, like, I see in my friends and the people around me. Um, And that is important. 
again, I know that there's a lot of story-based stuff, that there are a lot of very cool concepts, like that red string of fate thing in Japanese culture is extremely cool. There's a lot of, like, really great things that they have that make it, you know, anime worth watching. But for me, it just hasn't really resonated, except in certain instances where I really have been able to see, like, people I know, personality types that I feel like are realistic, you know, Mm -hmm. like... And I think it's completely fair to say, like, there's a lot of value in anime shows that maybe don't entirely revolve around women empowerment, right? There's a lot of really cool concepts uh, in terms of uh, action concepts and a lot of cool concepts in terms of, uh, like, fictional plot lines. Like, there's a lot of really interesting and cool things around that. I mean, I like Death Note, I like Food Wars, I like those things, those are cool concepts in my eyes, but in my experience watching anime, I definitely haven't seen, like, a lot of... uh, character arcs or lines revolving around um, you know the strength of women or women in power. Oh yeah, there's like none. Well and truthfully being able to overlook that and enjoy the show anyways comes from a position of privilege. Yeah. Because I couldn't I couldn't overlook it and enjoy it anyways Mm. because that's me feeling like I mean I've gone a whole life having to overlook shows so. But it's not having to it's me directly not looking that way. And it's just a choice that I've made for myself to not do that because I don't feel like I should have to just look at it but, like, overlook all the issues that I have with it. Instead, I should just be able to look the other way and let people who enjoy it enjoy it. And for me, I just will enjoy other things. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't feel like anybody is forcing me to sit down and watch things that, like, I don't... Well, guys, we know what to do now. (laughs) But that's, like, that would be a problem if that happened. Let's just bring that up. (laughs) We're gonna put those little sticks in your eyes. But I do feel like simply just being able to overlook it does come from... Maybe, I mean, maybe you guys are just better people than me, but I personally would not be able to overlook it. And so if you're able to overlook other things, that's great, and that's good. Yeah. Um, but I personally am not able I to overlook that I grew that up with, stuff. the only show I saw with, like, black main characters was Family Matters, and that was before my time. Well, so I'm that's, not, that's why, like, I'm at a point where I overlook this because it's not, it's, I, I don't see myself anywhere on TV until now. So that's why I'm able to do this. Which show? What are you talking about? Which just like just just from watching TV, like it's, but I it's think that's pure why, white main yeah. characters. That's why that's why black people like we, we every black person I know loves anime. It's just a fact. I don't know yeah. why we all do. But I also I think. Yeah. But I also think that, like, that's why it's so important to talk about how representation does matter. Being yeah. able to see yourself in characters, like, does matter. Mm-hmm. And just yeah. because you haven't had that up until that this point, doesn't mean that it matters less it means that it matters more that you should have had it before and now that you're starting to see it like yeah why not embrace that instead of cling to the idea of i've overlooked so much before why not continue to overlook and instead fight for like no representation matters and i want to see myself represented i want to see an indian anime person lead in something be cool Jaden Smith tried to make a black anime it was trash it was bad <laughs> it was real bad it was real bad yeah I watched the first couple episodes oh yeah it was bad it was horrible um I'll don't want to you know take up too much more time because we do want to get to Dev's episode but I will close by saying this with all that being said I think you will really like Howl's Moving Castle it's a different type that's of female that's what Celeste lead. has told me as yeah. well She's that was the only Ghibli movie I've really seen like before Princess Mononoke and oh, it was, good. It was really good oh Mary and the Witch's Flowers 
So good. All of them. I like good. that one. <laughs> I haven't seen a bad one, so. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but. Uh, Princess Mononoke, I think, is my favorite. Yeah, though. I think that was a pretty impressive movie. Mm-hmm. I really And for 1999? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah. So there's only 20 real, bucks? Uh, <laughs> I would have paid more. It was fucking free. 1999.99, <laughs> actually. Um, yeah, so we're, this is not an expert podcast. Well, let's get into it. My name's Kevin. My name's Megan. I'm Dev. It's your boy Michael! Oh, God. Um, that's new, but luckily this is not what you'll be hearing for the rest of the episode, because it is, in fact, a Dev episode. Uh, and we are going to get into it. I personally don't know exactly what Dev's episode is about to be about, but he has assured us that he's talked to us about it in the past, so... With all of the ice shaking and chair hitting out of the way, let's get Sorry. it in. <laughs> Hold yeah. on, we can shake some more ice real quick. Hold on, one second. It's ASMR. All right, Dev, what, what are you talking down. to us about? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so today we're going to talk about the second planet in our solar system, Venus. Oh. And more specifically... The discovery of phosphine gas on Venus. Do y'all remember that? No, and I also don't know the significance of it, so this is going to be a real interesting episode. Um, So, y'all remember a couple of months ago, um, there was a discovery, or or, uh, multiple universities published uh, research papers saying that they found phosphine gas in the clouds of Venus. And... In, on the surface, it might not seem like that impressive of a discovery, but it is. But when you get into it, it's actually pretty impressive. Um, let's talk about Venus in general for a second. You know, um, second planet in our solar system, and it's the second brightest thing in our night sky, right next to the moon. You know, and a lot of nights you can't see Venus with your, you know bare eyes, and I think that it looks beautiful. But, it looks beautiful from here, but as you get closer and closer to it, it seems like a literal hell on Earth. So, the atmospheric composition of it is 96% carbon dioxide, 3% nitrogen, and less than 1% sulfur and, like, trace gases for the rest of it. But the average surface temperature is 460 degrees Celsius. Finally, a place where I could be comfortable. <laughs> I'll be on the planet further. The fourth planet in our solar system. Imagine how quick you could bake pizza on that planet. Pluto's Mars. 11th. Technically, if you count those dwarf planets. Oh, I was like 11th. You're right. Megan's so, got the space knowledge. Sorry, continue. Oh, Thank yeah. you, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> so Venus has sort of been known as like a twin to Earth. You know, it's just literally in its size and almost nothing else. So one of the cool things... <laughs> that's, that's honestly what determines twins. I know when I'm walking down the street <laughs> yeah. and I see somebody of a similar relative size to myself, I go, oh my god, twins. Michael, we're twins. We're twins. <laughs> we're twins. <laughs> that's actually how Kevin and I first met, was we encountered each other and went, twinsies. <laughs> Kevin does not like that joke. No, I do. Because you're Venus. 
Uh, women are from Venus. Men that is are true. from Mars. Er, so yeah, no wonder you like it. So send all the men to Jupiter because it makes them more stupider. Is that that's the true. Is that something like that? Really? That's something amazing. Like that. I love it. Men go to Jupiter to get more stupider. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was uh, women go to, go to Mars, Mars to get more candy bars. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought that was ass. That was the worst. I was very upset. I was like, I want candy. Hold on. <laughs> more stupider. I was like, that's pretty clever. So just, just yeah. more candy bars. Really? That's the best you could do. So can misogyny work the other way too? <laughs> that's called a uh, feminism. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Absolutely. Oh! Absolutely not. Got him. I'm a strong believer in feminism. I really, really oh, am. Oh god. Oh my god. That's <laughs> that's fucking hilarious. We know the new anime Megan's working on. It's my uh, the feminist chronicles and it's all about hating on men <laughs> and only uplifting women of one personality type air quotes bossy <laughs> <laughs> bossy women so back to venus <laughs> <laughs> so about venus uh, you would expect it to be the second hottest planet in the solar system but it's actually not mercury is not nearly as hot as venus because of its atmosphere. And Venus is a, people see it to be an example of a runaway greenhouse effect. Mm. It's said that billions of years ago, Venus could have been very much like Earth, you know? Cool enough to, for it to be above average temperature from here, obviously, but enough to even support life, have massive oceans of water, you know, they theorize that because, you know, it's the greenhouse runaway effect. So as a little bit of water vapor got in the air, more and more of it got started getting in the air. And eventually it started becoming so hot and it just kept on progressing from there, kept on going. And pretty much we got a 500 degrees Celsius oven and um, it's extremely inhospitable to all life as we know it on earth you know and uh, say that because i'm always a fan of aliens okay always There's probably some it's aliens always aliens it's always 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 in aliens. 500 degrees celsius uh atmospheres look if you can survive there i bet you they can too i think i just outed myself as an alien yeah <laughs> <laughs> whoops <laughs> Because she's out of this world. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'll take it. The, so just to continue to add how inhospitable this place can be is that the atmospheric pressure is 92 times of what it is on Earth. So surface pressure would be like being a kilometer deep in the oceans. Just so literally being an existing, even without the temperature, would literally be impossible without. Isn't it true that you weigh a lot more on Venus than you do on Earth? Yeah, actually, we would weigh less because you Venus. weigh less? Yes. Venus is 86% the mass of Earth. Um, so but doesn't it have a stronger gravitational pull to the mm -mm. center or whatever? No. It's oh. the mass that determines the gravity of it. Mm. And uh, like, the weight of it. Well, okay, so 
mass is going to be the same Earth or Venus, but the weight on that mass is mm -hmm. going to be less on Venus. Like, you know, if you put it, yourself on a weight scale, you would weigh less on Venus. Um, I know how to hit my weight goals. I was going to say, there's a new regimen. <laughs> yeah. Right there. Go to Venus. I'm going to Venus. Not coming back. <laughs> no. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's kind of crazy to imagine. We think about, when we think about different planets, right? We think about Mars, which is so like readily available in like popular media that what it looks like, it looks like it's a red barren desert, you know, with like no atmosphere. Most other planets and moons look sort of similar like that. Maybe they might be different in color, different geography, but they seem to be on, first off, the colder end of the spectrum, no atmosphere, very little to think that it would ever support life, you know, but Venus is on the other end, like I said, of the spectrum. It's so goddamn hot there that life might just exist, you know, who knows, but... Go for it. <laughs> so another very cool thing about Venus is that their day and night cycle. Their day and night cycle lasts uh, 225 days. Think about that. Like, that's crazy. For us, it's 24 hours. For them, it's 5,800 hours for a day and night. So their rotation is just... So, and on top of that, every single planet in the solar system rotates counterclockwise uh, on its axis and then rotates. They all rotate in the same direction around the sun, but Venus is the only planet that rotates clockwise. So it spins retrograde mm. in respect to, you know, every single uh, other celestial body Maybe in that's system. why that's we all weird. feel so off all the time is because Venus is always in retrograde. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you, I don't know if you know this, what causes the difference in uh, rotational speed of different planets? What causes How the... How hard sorry. God kicked it when he was making <laughs> it. Because that's, what, that's <laughs> what I think. That is my answer right there. That seems like, like a very reasonable yes. answer than to explain or even learn, you know, orbital... That's what I feel like. <laughs> He's just walking around going, eh, yeet. Sometimes <laughs> so, it's a hacky sack. Sometimes it's a soccer ball. Sometimes it's a, a basketball and you break your ankle on it. I don't know when to tell you. Because, like... Um, Space space scientists, God, rocket scientists, all these other people that work for NASA are able to predict and basically set into motion the exact rotational speed they want for different satellites and things like that. Mm -hmm. So that make you know it leads me to believe that that's that's something that's been solved for. Like like like, what was your original question again? Sorry. Like how did what is this, what determines the difference in rotational speeds for different planets around the sun or around it's the rotational, not uh, revolutionary. Like, like. Damn. <laughs> so, there's, this is the one thing I remember from fucking physics. There's, I don't know the exact answer, but I can guess that there could be multiple factors. One of them could be that when giant chunks of gas came together like four or five billion years ago to create the solar system, that they happened to just gather on one arbitrary you know, giant asteroid, mm. and that asteroid was rotating a certain direction. And as more dust accumulated around it, you know, in physics, there's conservation of uh, momentum. And that conservation of momentum also applies to circular things. So let's just say a particle happened to be spinning in that direction, and another particle gets attached to it, and they both are gonna keep spinning in that direction. Gotcha. So it keeps on going. Um, and on top of that, it could be that 
a meteor struck it. And something like that could definitely affect a rotation and of an And that meteor's name was God. And him striking it was him kicking it. <laughs> With his foot. With his foot. His boot. Okay. Do we like, know what affects the revolution speed, though? Fuck you. <laughs> Gravity. I'm pretty sure. Uh, gravitational pull it, of the star. And isn't then, it how close it is to the sun? Yeah. yeah, that's it, yeah. That's a really easy answer. That's the only thing I kind of know. Dude, I don't. I still don't know what the difference between rotation and revolution. Uh, to revolution be honest, is like this. Rotation is like yeah. Rotation oh. is on itself. Revolution is around something. Okay, oh, so thank like, you for explaining that earlier when I like asked. Rotation is like me spinning in circles. I did ask. So oh, revolution yeah. I said, oh. is me spinning in circles around you. Yeah. Right. Okay. R- rotate a ball. Yeah, you don't say revolve a ball. You say rotate a ball. I don't know. I say revolve ball. I don't say either. (laughs) Yeah. I say spin the ball. I'm trying to think of a time when I would use the word revolve besides talking about space. Trying to, I think that Uh, the world. It's just that rotation and revolution have been so ingrained into my brain that. But I'm trying to think of how I would describe the difference. Revolver is the closest thing I can think of, and that's just. The and that's still a ro- it rotates around a central axis. Yeah, not exactly. That's, that's not even accurate. <laughs> you see my confusion. Now. It's rotator. A, it's a rotator. A- <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got a six-shot rotator <laughs> with your name on it. And people are out here like, uh, that's not scary. That's not threatening. Oh, that's good. <laughs> so we have humans have tried to explore Venus. You know, uh, in and the 70s and 80s. Well, robots made by humans <laughs> have tried to explore Venus. Oh my god, sad for Sending space missions to Venus with her. It's like just sending <laughs> astronauts to die. It's like, dude, you're gonna die in like an hour. Just make that hour count. Just, you know what? Do what you can with it. We just have a giant catapult and we just send people <laughs> towards Venus. Okay. We just launch them out there. If you die in orbit, I mean, nothing gained, nothing lost. Nothing. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> we try to set the 70s. Things. Anything goes. We're trying to set people into orbit by slingshotting them around. <laughs> this, is, this is a physics question, I'm sure, on some so, AP physics There was actually this dude in Canada who tried to launch things into space using gunpowder. How close did he get? Not very close yeah. at all. Yeah. He was extremely far from every single thing, yeah, no, that but he tried to do that, and... <laughs> That was hilarious, okay? That I, was absolutely I, hilarious. I like to imagine that the distance of the vertical shrapnel was probably less than that of the horizontal, so he wasn't going to get anywhere close <laughs> to that of being nuclear. Hindeclear, oh, hopefully. Gosh. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. And I don't know you, Did you know part. that Genovia stole their... Um, National anthem from Canada. Genovia. Yeah. <laughs> Is that really it? Yeah. Oh, so funny. Really? Princess Diaries. Princess Diaries. I you did just not know watched that. that the other day because <laughs> I've been having a lot of sick days lately. I am on the mend though. Anne Hathaway. That bitch. We love her. I saw y'all watching that movie. Mm-hmm. That's a good movie. Did you really see us watch it? You were asleep. I came down for like a split second to get oh. water because mm. my head mm-hmm. was killing me. I know, yeah. And, it's been uh, rough all around. Um, but, yeah, it's it's better for me now, too. So, yeah. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> We're on the men together. <laughs> I know. Um, but 
throwback to one of my previous episodes, the USSR in the 70s, 80s launched 16 uh, Verena probes to Venus. And so the one that lasted the longest was I think Verena 13 and it lasted for a amazing 127 minutes. <laughs> Dang. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's less that, than most is movies. Is that the movie? 127 hours. Is it, it's 127, right? Is it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, it, or maybe it's 132? 120-something hours, I thought. Yeah, 127. Yeah. That's what we said, right? Oh, shit. Yeah, no. Yeah, that might be Doesn't right. Doesn't that feel that way? Uh, let, me, let me scour my brain real quick for the answer. <laughs> Wait, Megan, how many hours yep. is that? You're the mathematician here. I am not the mathematician. It's a few days. It's 127 hours, starring James Franco. Ooh. Is it a week? It's a little over two hours. 127 it's five days. 127 hours. No, she's not talking about hours. Oh, the movie. Oh, no, we're talking about the mathematician. Uh, I think it's. Celeste, if you're listening to this, you did this to me. A little over five days, I think. I'm yeah. doing my math right there. That's like a it's week. Like five that's basically days and a week. six hours. That's, that's, yeah, it's, it's a business week. Yeah, I'll take that all day. Mm-hmm. It's a week. Mm-hmm. You'll take that all week. All right, keep going, Dev. <laughs> <laughs> but when they sent those probes, those uh, that was to take you know crude photographs and crude measurements of ew the like. He <laughs> oh <my God>. said <laughs> crude, not lewd. Uh, Sorry. That was good. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> What's the best thing is that I'm not even close to the mic while I said that, so you might faintly hear in the background me go, ew. I'm gonna cry. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Well, 127 minutes is less than most movies. Okay, well, is it? Yeah, yeah. Because it's just <laughs> over two hours. Most two movies are like two and a half hours now. I feel like. Yeah, that's true. Princess Mononoke was way longer than I thought it was. How long was it? I I don't know. Way longer. Than I think it was longer than two hours. Yeah, I think so. So yeah. yes, it was. Think about about as much time as it took to watch Princess Mononoke is how much time the probe had to take all the measurements it possibly could before it broke down. They actually only planned for it to work for 30 minutes. Mm. So it working for four times longer than that is very impressive, you know. Goes to show USSR engineering, you know, that communism really, you know, paying off. That government-funded engineering. Setting pessimistic expectations and getting optimistic results. Literally the opposite of America. Yeah. I like that. I prefer that, honestly. That's my method in life nowadays. Maybe I'm not waking should. up. I wake up at 11. I'm like, oh, look at me. Look I at did something me. today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something to be excited about every day. Yeah. <laughs> waking up good. eventually, but waking up. Well, Except for tomorrow. Who knows, honestly. <laughs> Sorry. Deb, please finish your episode. No more interruptions. <laughs> will come for No, me. I love interruptions. I love talking, you know. So please continue. And, but... I will also continue at the same time. We will. At the exact same and time. 
so now that I've told you a little bit about <laughs> Venus, um, mm-hmm. well, um, so the thing that we measured was the amount of phosphine gas. And the way we measured it is we used two different telescopes, the James Clerk Maxwell Telescope in Hawaii and the uh, Atacama, Des- uh, Atacama Telescope that's in Chile. And we used the sun's light that it goes through the atmosphere. Like, you know how, let's say, this is Venus, right? The atmosphere would be such a small little, like, like a border, right, from looking at it. Mm-hmm. But let's say it's on the sun, right? And the, that little bit is enough that goes through. Like, even the tip of the upper atmosphere, that's enough that if it comes to our telescopes, we can use, like, uh, radio spectrometry. Spectrometry? Radio- yeah, that's right. Radio spectrometry. Spectrometry. Spec. Spectrometry. That's Spectrum. Spectrum. <laughs> Regardless, I think that uh, radio spectrometry. Spe- spectrometry. It's, it's, it's spectrometry, which is spectrometry. weird. But that spectrometry. is what it is. Spectrometry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> to um, detect certain types of elements. And this time, they were specifically looking for phosphine gas. And through their measurements, it turns out that there's 20 parts per billion of phosphine gas. Now, that doesn't sound like much at all, but that is a lot, lot, lot higher than what they ever expected to find there. And the reason why phosphine gas itself is such a, like a key marker is because of all of the processes we know on Earth, abiotic and biotic, only a biotic process, which means made through life or some sort of organism on earth is the only thing that can produce phosphine in such a high quantity that um that we would see 20 parts per billion so like they try to rule out a lot of different things like volcanoes right but even that is millions of times slower like to get that sort of concentration in the air because phosphine dissolves away very quickly. But in order to have that much, that means it's coming from somewhere. There's a constant supply of it somewhere. It's coming aliens. Aliens. It's always aliens. Always, 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 <laughs> always, right always. They're right next to us this they whole are. time, and we didn't even know. Alien from Venus. I'm just kidding. Uh, yes, aliens from Venus. That's a little bit anticlimactic, but I'll take it. Yeah, it's, we didn't expect it to be literally right, right next, next door. Right next door. We'll take what we can get. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. it's barely extraterrestrial. It's like being told you're going to go on this really great journey to, you know, return the ring to Middle Earth, yeah. and it turns out Middle Earth was like your neighbor's toilet <laughs> all the time, and you were like, why did, what did I pack all this bread for? <laughs> what are the uh, plausible explanations that they haven't ruled out? So... What do you mean? That have, they have ruled out? <laughs> that they haven't ruled out. Is there... So, we know <laughs> very it. little about how phosphine is created uh, organically on Earth. Okay. Like, but we know it can be made, and we know that it is made. But the process, what it ha- why it happens internally, is still very much up to, like, discovering, you know? And there's still a lot more processes to go. But what we have observed on Earth... With our worldly knowledge, we ha- we cannot say 
that it comes from an abiotic process or at least something that would happen on Earth, right? We have yet to discover so many things about the Venus geography. We sent, you know, 16 probes. Some of them burned up in the atmosphere. Barely a, a handful of them made it to the actual surface. And, you know, even fewer were actually useful information we could get from them. So it's a very grueling and arduous process to even get this much information about the surface. But this observation was made from right here on Earth, you know? And the, and this was, they think that it exists in the clouds, that, that whatever is making it, at least the phosphine part of it exists in the clouds, you know? And even the clouds aren't very hospitable. The pressure is about in, up, up in the middle to uh, like upper clouds, the atmospheric pressure, it's about the same on earth, but the acidity is about a billion times more than what any organism on Earth would be used to. So it would be not any life that we know of, you know, or we have yet to discover on Earth, right? And it could be something very different, but, right? It would be very, it, it, I don't think we should expect markers of life to be anything like what we have, right? Mm -hmm. What we have is probably very unique, you know? And chances are there's probably other ways to make life happens somewhere else and Gaseous there's other elements microorganisms it could be one of the uh, theories is that it lives in droplets in you know air and it once the droplets go more lower in the clouds and they dry off it, they turn into these spores and these spores could like you know get get an updraft and go back up to the upper clouds and then rehydrate again but that's just an absolute theory there is literally nothing to back that up you know that's just something that it could be possible because we're talking about if it does exist organism that lives in clouds because as far as we know it would be extremely 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 unlikely to have molecules be stable enough to create life, again, as we know it, in these harsh, harsh, harsh conditions, you know? So just the existence of phosphine gas, we cannot, we don't know of a single abiotic process on Earth that could create something like that, create that high of a concentration in the atmosphere, but we do know that microbes could do that, you know? So it's not to say that there is life on Venus, it's to say that we don't know if there is no life on Venus, right? Like it's mm. like there's a lot more research to be done. This is not yeah. this is so far from a confirmation, you know, because we know nothing about it. We just know that this could be a possible sign. This is the but it's also not a definite no. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Which you're, is you're saying that we. And I don't mean to be splitting hairs here, but and obviously you may not have done enough research to know this, but you're saying yeah, that. Yeah, passing on him. <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah, I'm saying that he probably hasn't this done. This is enough. not an expert podcast. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think he, the research exists enough. So, but how how do we how have we come to the conclusion if we don't know which organisms created uh, or in through what methodology? How do we know that phosphine gas is created primarily biotically? Well, we know of no processes that can be that can make it abiotically. But what? So yeah, what that, he's saying yeah. is that we don't know for sure that it can't be made abiotically. Right. However, we do know it can be made 
biotically. And yeah. the issue that I have that you're definitely not going to be able to answer for me is how? How do like how do we know that it's being it's able to be made biotically? Some things we right. just know, Kevin. It's, it's uh, God actually some put things it are in it's about the Bible. Other things and that have you was ever been a human before? You just know sometimes, these things. Sometimes sometimes it's called our gut instinct. Yeah, like it's it's sometimes you Kevin's come to conclusions by ruling things out yeah. instead of getting to a, an exact on point conclusion about something, right. right? But like I said, this is so far from being an actual like confirmation. It's not. Mm-hmm. It isn't. It's not even a confirmation. But it's something. It is something. It is right. a clue, right? It's the first clue for to life we have like found in our solar system. Right. Which I think I think it's very impressive. It's the first clue we've found ever, you know? Like, who knows? There might be life in the oceans of Europa, but we don't, we haven't received Mm -hmm. a single clue. No spectrometry clue, nothing, you know? Like, not even, like, indication that, literally, absolutely nothing. But this is the first thing ever in our history that we have received, like, conclusive proof that 20 parts per billion of phosphine exists. Mm. How it was created, we don't know. But we do know that it wasn't created by volcanoes or earthquakes right. or like plasma fumes. And that whatever created it is continuously creating. Exactly. Right. And that's yes. kind of like, that's the key stopped. thing that leads to like biotic production because mm-hmm. it has to continue doing mm-hmm. it. Whereas like abiotic, see, I did good in biology. Abiotic things would not continually produce mm-hmm. something. Right. It that would be sense. a one-off. That yeah. just makes sense. Like a volcano would erupt, but it wouldn't mm-hmm. be constantly, right. you know. Yeah, this it is wouldn't a, be constantly erupting. Of what we know about phosphine gas, which is probably fairly conclusive. Like, we know that nitrogen and other things can exist in an atmosphere without, like, continuous biotic production. But we know we also know that phosphine gas is the opposite. It cannot exist in, in yeah. like, an atmospheric state without it being continuously created because it burns off too fast because the planet is too hot i see i see like it's it's very unstable the phosphine molecule itself it's Mm -hmm. phosphorus and three hydrogen in and in of itself once it's created it starts to get it starts to it's yeah it starts to combine with different things Mm. and it loses its initial you know stability pretty Mm -hmm. much yeah it starts to Mm -hmm. deteriorate and you know as it interacts and chemically reacts with other molecules in the atmosphere Mm -hmm. especially in such a high temperature and a Mm -hmm. highly volatile and highly acidic environment right there's a lot of free electrons floating in the air so it's very easy for reactions to happen Mm -hmm. in that you know sort of thing and phosphine would just melt away very quickly and dissolve into the such a harsh environment of venus but Something, something is there. Some, maybe it might be a geological process that we just haven't discovered yet. Mm -hmm. You know, it might be something extremely specific to Venus, right? We don't know yet. But if it was like a a geological process, it would be like similar to a geyser constantly blowing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But constantly blowing. Yeah. Which like most of the geological processes that we know of don't exist in a constant state. They'll like blow and then like yeah. be events, off for right. seven minutes and then they'll blow again yeah. like and it would have to have like it would have to be on top of like a deposit of phosphorus that fucking that like rained down from like yeah. a supernova that happened like billions of light years away right. and you know comet just happened to just land in that one specific spot on venus and not in any other planet in our solar system not even on earth you know it skipped all that 
and blend it straight on Venus and boom, you know, it's producing all of this stuff. And, you know, like, we know very little. So, but like I said, you know, it's like, we never expected any to find anything on Venus, mm. right? We never looked for phosphine gas. Someone just happened to be like, hmm, what if this exists on Venus? Let's just check for it, just in case, you know? Mm -hmm. Because that is sort of known as the biomarkers to life, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, that is one of the things that astronomers considered a biomarker. And let's say that, you know how I told you about the radio spectrometry? Do you all remember the James Webb telescope? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It does something very similar. It mm -hmm. uses radio spectrometry. So that would be one of the things that it would look for from the light that's reflected off of the planets that are millions of, that are like, Probably like a couple hundred light years away, right? Mm -hmm. the, the light that reflects off the planets that it might just contain that trace amount of spectrometry data that you can make conclusions about mm -hmm. what sort of elements could be in the atmosphere, right? right? So uh, in, I believe, actually, so the European Space Agency and the Japanese Space Agency have sent a probe called Bepi Colombo. And that probe is supposed to go to Mercury. But it just so happens to be that it uses Venus as a slingshot. Mm. Interesting. You know? And so this was actually supposed to happen last month, uh, you know? And I, I still haven't heard of any of the data uh, that has come back from it. I mean, I haven't really looked that hard for it either. Mm -hmm. But it's supposed to take more detailed measurements of the atmosphere. And it's, look for, and it's supposed to look specifically for phosphine gas in the atmosphere. You know, so that's going to be a confirmation whether this study of, you know, like, because it's very hard to do peer-reviewed studies for something, you know. <laughs> Extraterrestrial. Yeah, you know. So this is going to be the next data set to see what we can see, you know. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll find more. Maybe we'll, you know, find that it doesn't exist. Something is wrong, you know, but we'll know more. But it's, I think, an insane prospect of having something like this because we're not really gonna find okay i right now we're i feel like we're not really gonna find life that's i don't know has appendages can communicate we're internally. not gonna get like a crazy like selfie of an alien yeah slingshots you know it's like, yo, what's up? <laughs> exactly. Like, Wave in, dude, a peace sign. Yeah. Like, you know. we come in peace. Like, it, it very much might be, like, extremely, uh, like, you know, microscopic life. That, yeah, primitive. Yeah. That, that isn't But that would also, I mean, we were talking about that a few episodes ago. That would explain why we haven't been reached out to yet. Exactly. Yeah. And so, right? like, I mean, there's good chances, and that would be, like, I think that's the only reasonable thing we can expect to find as far as other signs of life is either mm -hmm. life that has already passed and, like, you know, they're extinct or life that's so new and so microscopic that there's no way that they can reach out to us. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's beyond all of the other measures and filters that it has to run through, like... Is it in with a, within our visible frequency that we can see, or is mm. it something, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah like size-wise, that's something that we can interact with, and then from there, is it something intelligible? Is it something recognizable as life? Like, yeah. there's so many questions. That's so. Our uh, radio, um, what is it called radio, fucking beaming, whatever, into space, is only really reached about like a thousand. 
possible stars and like that's it mm. you know that's nothing that's literally nothing compared to yeah. even our own galaxy you know which is at least 200 million stars mm. and that's like so who knows right like it's it's crazy to the dis- truth is out there yeah and it, I think that it's so crazy that it's just right next door like yeah. you know, possible clue for life other than earth is right next door one of the theories was what if a microbe was on one of the probes and it somehow adapted to the environment but there just isn't enough time and no amount of chemical processes would create that much in that short of time even if the yeah. first probe on venus landed you know mm-hmm. so it's not possible it, it's you know it's highly 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 not possible that it came well, from Well and also for a microbe to live once it reaches mm-hmm. like 500 degrees Celsius yeah. I mean really Yeah so a microbe from earth to live yeah. like That's why it's theorized that it, if anything does exist it just could be in the clouds and like you yeah. know it wouldn't be cuz clouds is like anywhere from 30 to 80 degrees you know Celsius like mm-hmm. the upper uh, atmosphere of the clouds. So that's relatively hospitable. Yeah. You know, so. I mean, that sounds like a vacation <laughs> to me. At 30 degrees Celsius, that's what? That's like 80 degrees, 80, 90 degrees? Yeah, that's yeah. not bad. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Just as long as you're okay with the acidic part of the environment. Listen, burn it all off. Exfoliation <laughs> right there. My, my true, I would have no more pimples. Just my true form. Both. In the heat. Skeleton. I would yeah. become one with the heat. Yeah. I think it would be... I don't know if this technology is possible in existence or being researched, but I think it would be very interesting to see if we could have, like, a probe or something that is, you know, launchable, um... Not lunchable. Lunchable? Uh, but something that we could send out that can determine either the chemical makeup of the area around it mm-hmm. combined with the current chemical reactions occurring yeah. over the course of the span of the probe. Um, maybe that would be possible if you had the given chemicals in the atmosphere and then you, you know... I don't know what you would program there, but you would program something that can determine the states of any of the chemicals at any given time, as well as all their possible combinations. And then maybe you could have something that can determine that like you would in a lab. Um, But it's difficult to get actual samples. Right. But one of the things that it could do is a probe could uh, deflect off of the atmosphere itself. And while it's deflecting, it could pick up samples and then go back into orbit. Right. Mm. You know? That's interesting. That's um, that's very much possible. And we've done that on Earth. So we've done that with atmosphere on Earth. Mm. So it's very much possible that we could do something like that for Venus. But, again, that requires an insane amount of, like, coordination of, like, an automated probe because it's still far enough where we couldn't control, you know, the millisecond responses that we mm-hmm. could on Earth. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's just, I think that this has created a lot more interest in Venus now. Right. Mm -hmm. They're literally spending resources of a, like a different probe just to measure, you know, this possibly possibility, Mm -hmm. you know, of life. So I think that it's the coolest thing that about 2020, 
that we have ever learned. Okay, <laughs> this is the most optimistic I've ever been about you know anything Something about twenty twenty. You know, yeah. <laughs> so like twenty twenty is not all bad. Start that hashtag. So yeah. you can feel really isolated yep. when people think it's not all bad, not and you're like, bad. "No, I think it's all bad. <laughs> I think it's all bad." Put yourself in the aliens. realm okay. of the universe's size, and then suddenly yeah. 2020 seems so small. And yet, it feels so big. Like, um, I feel like I've spent half my life in 2020. Yeah. Yeah, man. I really feel like I've aged 40 years this year. <laughs> Man, just I, think I just I just like to just remove my head and just go to space, you know. Fuck all this shit behind. <laughs> just pop it off. Yeah, just 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 go. Keep it in a, some sort of jar with reliquary. Yeah, you know? <laughs> Futurama style. Like I think I think, you know, I personally feel like we're going to find life in this solar system. Um, not it's not gonna be. Again, intelligent life, but I think we will find hey, micro. Who are you life. calling not intelligent? Who <laughs> you calling not intelligent up on her? Hey. So, well, we know microorganisms uh, can can exist in most liquid compound states. Yeah, so. we're. I on thought Earth, they found we know that we're organisms in frozen lakes on some planet. Yeah, well, not you know they haven't found any microorganisms, but okay. there are. So there are frozen. I briefly told yeah. you all about Europa. Europa so is Saturn's a planet, moon or Jupiter's moon? I think Jupiter. Because I know Titan. I think they were researching Jupiter's moon, Titan having like f- just totally frozen over surface, but also the possibility of like a liquid, uh, like core outer core area. And I know that was something that was talked about, but I don't know about Europa. Jupiter. It's Jupiter, okay. You know... <laughs> That's where all the boys go. To get more stupider. <laughs> Impossible microorganisms. But, so, the entire planet has a crust of ice, but underneath that ice is a huge ocean. It's... Uh, it's, oh, it's so is Europa. I was just wrong. It's, it's not Titan. Um, they've made measurements and... It could be that it has more water than Earth itself. Mm. All of Earth's water combined, and it mm. has more than that. You know, so on Earth, wherever life exists, regardless of like, you know, extremes of it, we find uh, bacteria or some sort of microorganisms. Right. You know, we can find like and them next to like geothermal vents, which are like, yeah. first off, fluctuate from being so cold down in the water to so hot and with such an intense chemical, you know, composition in those vents, like... And without oxygen. Yeah, right? No no light. So that's impressive. That's extremely impressive that, that that exists down there. So that means that there's a very real possibility that an ocean filled with water bigger or with more volume than Earth itself might just have microbes in it, you know? Like considering that we've only, you know, explored about five percent of our yeah. water yeah. here yeah. on Earth. Yeah. We've explored like five percent of our water and still found microorganisms by geothermal vents. Just imagine like the extremes of what you could find in the different areas of the mm-hmm. ocean. And then just imagine that Try to imagine that it's not possible that in a planet made almost a, an entirely of water with an outer uh, layer of ice yeah. doesn't have anything living so, inside of it. Um, for a long time, people thought 
that all energy for life on Earth is derived from the sun. Right. Like, let's say even anaerobic microbes that live in complete darkness, even they derive some sort of energy from a process that is created by a living organism in the sun, you know. So for a long time, it was thought that. But until we started exploring the bottom of the oceans, we found I out. I was going to say, there's so much life on the bottom of exactly. the oceans in the twilight zone, which literally is like as dark as dark can mm-hmm. get. Like, mm-hmm. no light reaches there. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. nothing. Not nothing, the show, by the way. I was confused for a second there. <laughs> she means the twilight zone, like literally the, the area the of the ocean. Yeah. It's insane. Also, there's things so, live in the show, too. There's so much abundant life there are sharks down mm-hmm. there there's those angler fish that have those little, are cool like, mm-hmm. yeah but like it's not even just little microorganisms yeah. or little shrimpy scampering about it's like actual full-fledged things that's actually where most likely giant squids live yeah. which mm-hmm. is what mm-hmm. the first time i heard about europa um that was my the first thing that came to my mind is like oh my god under these frozen lakes there are these insanely massive organisms, these mm. giant fucking squid sharks. Have you seen Europa Report? <laughs> There's a movie. No. It's sort of like shaped in a documentary method, mm-hmm. but I'll just it's tell you. It's a mockumentary. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, they, it's more the serious mockumentary type of things, mm-hmm. and they go to Europa, they have a manned mission, and they start drilling in the fucking ice. Turns out, there's giant fucking robotic squids down there. I am scared of nothing in the way that I am scared of squids. I am so petrified and truly terrified of squids um, in a way that I cannot apply to anything else in my life. I am genuinely terrified of squids. Squids be tripping. From from a girl who was born and raised in Colorado and never (laughs) had to think about being scared of squids, I thought about it all the time. I'm scared of (laughs) nothing in the way that I am scared of squids. I am so terrified of them. They're so smart, you guys. They're so fucking smart. And that's what I imagine being under Europa's ice. Nothing gives me thalassophobia quite like thinking about the unknowns of what could be under that ice. Yeah. Mm. You know, it is. Some people say that we might just find signs of life in our generation. That'd be cool. That's that would be very cool. It is very optimistic. I, I think love it is it, an extremely though. optimistic Considering thing that to say. each generation is probably like a blink of an eye when we're actually yeah. looking into like the grand time scale mm-hmm. of everything. Yeah. So like, like. But at least we got to be alive at the same time yeah. as like the office. That's true. <laughs> it's the tiny things, y'all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Small victories. We take them where we can get them. Yeah. yeah it's. I'm just so excited by any prospect. Of aliens. <laughs> you want I aliens to, so bad. Yeah. I hope if there are aliens, they look exactly like Coco. Oh yeah. my god! Uh, the little nosy, hamsters. Little nosy, <laughs> just a little pink nosy. Do you want to go grab Coco for this our closeout? Black eyes. Yeah, We're gonna out. add it's, Coco it's to our um, closing outro. But uh, Dev, do you have any more thoughts on that? Um, oh, sorry. You turned to a blank page. No, no, yeah. I. That's pretty much it for this discovery. Like I said, that when the research is published from the second, you know, Bepi Columbia co- uh, mm-hmm. probe, you know, that um, I might just tell you all, you know, if I 
Thank you for listening to my uh, rant about space again. Um, That was interesting. I had a lot of stuff I had never known. Yeah, I think it's interesting that there's so many things that you tell us that, like, you would think you would at least, like, cruise past a headline or something Mm -hmm. on it, and I just don't feel like I have. And maybe that's just, like me i haven't been paying attention but yeah it's just so interesting because i'm like mm, yeah. i feel like i would have at least like Heard seen of. venus in the headlines at some point but that but. brings up a good point that hey, start a dev appreciation thread here even if we did see those headlines the chances that they were going to be legible in a digestible way for mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. layman reader like us is so minimal that I mean, dev Speak for yourself. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, that dev bringing it to us in this understandable format and like, t- you tell me like I probably would have cruised right past the headline of phosphine gas on Venus, but like the way that dev broke it down in terms of the possibility of life or any of the other n- numerous things mm-hmm. that it could mean, like that puts it into perspective for me and makes me interested as you know not yeah. a space engineer. So I read the abstract, the method. And the conclusion uh, and the discussion for like uh, the research paper, the original research paper itself. And I think that y'all are 100% smart enough to like understand everything in there. You know, yeah, I but think I that, uh, also think that there's a certain element, for me at least, of ADD of interest. that plays into yeah. it where I also am like, Hmm, I really could sit down and read this, but am I going to? Look, if it was about alien makeup tutorials, I think that you would be a lot more interested in it, <laughs> and you read those research papers way I more watch, than I would. I watch so many so, makeup videos. You know, Considering that I've worn makeup all of three times in the year 2020, <laughs> it would uh, be very surprised at how interested I am in those fucking videos. Thank you, Coco's coming. Yeah, thank yeah, you, Dad. That was a fantastically interesting episode. And we are just kind of biding our time now for Coco to latch on to Michael's hand. I'm not, and, I'm not the scarer. And, uh, and so, to come over here. Uh, Coco, I know every animal basically is named Coco. Uh, I'm working at a dog boarding facility. Boy, <laughs> is every dog named Coco. Um, but Coco's name came because my hamster before her, uh, I had named him Moo or Moo Moo for short. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I had to do a another double Moo Moo type sounding mm-hmm. name. And so Coco. we chose Coco because she's, uh, she's brown and white and she's sweet like Coco. Actually, Coco's very bitter. She's a little still. coconut. She's she a little coconut. And she also has a little coconut that she sleeps in. We yes. call it her Coco Nut, Coco's Hut. Yeah. <laughs> I, we usually just shorten that to Coco Nut Hut. Yeah, but, uh, that is true. But, you know, as long as you got Nut and Hut in there both. Coco. <laughs> oh, man. Coco's really... She's not liking me today. Antsy today. But, uh... In any case... Sometimes we... it, you just have to live your life according to the way that your hamster dictates. I know. Good facts. She's not liking my hand. <laughs> well, we will stall this outro just a little bit longer. We will definitely talk to you guys next week you with hopefully some more election result news and, and some more uh, relevant material there. And Coco's hopefully happy news. But uh, now we've got Coco by the mic. Coco on the mic.
Coco. Coco on the beach. Coco has arrived. She's no longer darting around like she was in her tank. She's only really that way in her in her space. Yeah, Once she's totally. out of her space, she's a lot more uh, open to suggestion. Coco, help us with the outro music. <laughs> I don't know if you picked that up, but God, that would be so funny. <laughs> um, thank you guys for listening. We'll join you again next week with uh, my episode. Uh, we're yet to be determined. So It'll be on the Electoral College. <laughs> Interesting idea, writing it down. Yeah, that's not a bad one, right? Anyways... Uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, I hope next time you hear from us that we are in good spirits um, because of the election. If not, then I'm sorry. We definitely tried. Um, but uh, keep your eyes peeled. Stay smart. Uh, definitely keep yourself safe um, in the events of any riots. Just make sure that you're stocked up on things that things that you need because riots from either side are going to be are going to be riots and they're not going to be something that you're going to want to get out in the middle of so thank you again for listening thank you for spending time with us um we will see you next week yay little cocolito she's so cute she's a natural born podcaster (laughs) she's loving this